2: Hello and welcome back to the Beer Ladies podcast. I am Lisa. I am your host this evening and I am joined by Tandy and Christina. Hello ladies. Hello. 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 And before we dive into this week's topic, uh, which, which is one we're very excited about, it's a very broad one though, so we're, we're going to warn you that we're go- it's just going to be sort of going very broad but shallow with this one. But Before we dive in, I want to remind you guys that we are at uh, beerladiespodcast.com. We are Beer Ladies Pod pretty much everywhere. You can find our link tree just by searching for us. You can go to that link tree or to our website and find ways to support the pod. If you want to buy some merch, if you want to buy us a pint, all of the things are there. All of our back episodes. And of course, you can find us on all of your favorite podcatchers or on YouTube. And we love it if you leave a like, get a rating, subscription. All of those things really help. So thank you for doing those things. So all of the administrivia out of the way, we're gonna go ahead and dive right in because this week we are talking about Belgian beers. What are they? And again, (laughs) we know this is. A big category, so we're we're definitely not going to get into the minutiae of every Belgian style and sub-style and sort of arguments over who makes them, but we are going to give you kind of an overview of these different styles, talk very, very, very briefly about some history, but also have some of those arguments over things we like, things we don't like. Is glassware important? Because I know this is going to be a big one for for some of you out there who like to, to worry about things, but... Before we get into that, we're going to do our usual what you drinking or I think for a couple of tonight what did you have laying around that was belgian but I think we'll start with with chandy cuz I think you're properly on the sauce tonight so what have you got
3: I am properly on the sauce <laughs> and my glass just nearly overflowed <laughs> <laughs> Okay so um I'm committing my own cardinal sin I'm drinking <laughs> a different beer from its glassware and we'll t- we'll talk about that but I'm, I'm a bit of a stickler. I don't really like to drink branded. I don't like to drink out of branded glassware unless it's that brand. But either way, I'm giving a nod there to Chimay with this, with this uh, lovely glass, even though it seems dirty, but anyway. But I'm drinking Duval. So Very the good old classic Duval, the Belgian strong blonde. Um, and cheapest, it's been a while since I've had one of these, but always, always a lovely one, this beer. And interestingly, I've got in my I've got this book called hold on I'm gonna get it <laughs> very disorganized a thousand and one beers to try before you die and Dubbel is in here as well because it's obviously a very well-known Belgian beer and it is this book is very heavy look at this thing oh my goodness wow this is, this <laughs> for is those at home cast. this is
2: like you know a big breeze block of a book oh, here so
3: it's yeah. a massive one But it's, um, they'll say in the the tasting notes here, golden straw colored with notes of candied fruits and yeast in the nose light bodied with a backbone to balance the hops and alcohol, taste is dry with a warming semi-bitter aftertaste. And I'm sure we'll get to all of those kind of descriptors, especially yeast and warming and spicy and, you know, kind of the things that make Belgian beers taste Belgian-y.
2: Exactly. Yes. What is Belgian? We will mm. we will get to that. So that looks exciting, Christina. Friend, what what do you have that has been kicking around your cellar?
1: Well, I I had like a three different Belgian beers before Christmas, and I didn't drink all of them, so I have one still left. So welcome back to that beer again. <laughs> so this is um, the Boone Creek Mariage Parfait or Marriage Parfait. I am sorry, my French is abominable. But um, yeah, so a completely sort of different style than the Belgian beer that Tandy had, but still very quintessentially Belgian. Um, and we can talk about, you know, sort of the difference between sort of these kinds of sours and lambics and and whatever and and the other the other sort of styles. But I love these sorts of beers. I'm really here for like the farmhousey notes um, and and yeah, and the fruit and the sour and all my favorite things, so yeah, that's what I have. And um, I also have a really cool glass that we'll talk about in a little bit. Ooh,
2: yes, this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun, excellent. And I, I'm also, I, I'm you know, boring and, and on some meds this week, so I can't drink either. But I did have a look around and I said, Oh, I've got some delicious things that are waiting for me when I'm feeling better. Um, I'm, I'm on the men, so it's good, but I have the Troubadour Imperial Stout. Uh, this is from now, now they call it the Musketeers Brewery. Back in the day, they just kept it all in French. And so for people like me who took French but who have abominable French and terrible pronunciation, this makes life a little bit easier. But um, you know, but they they are, yeah, now the themusketeers.be is their is their website these days. This is an imperial stout, but definitely I would say. Uh, for anyone who's not had this before, it it still is, and we're gonna air quote here because I think we may do a lot of air quoting in this episode. Belgiany, like it's <laughs> it's certainly not like an imperial stout you would get here. Um, I would say there are some similarities to some American imperial stouts, but I think that's for reasons that we can maybe talk about a little bit. But I think with that said, maybe we should just dive in, and I'm gonna throw over to you, Tandy. Mm. Let's say there are a lot of different kinds of belgian beer how can people start to just you know get a handle on what these different things are and as we'll talk about how some of these things are very similar yet different so
3: mm, indeed so um i'll give you an overview of the different styles that i've noted down and w- with the very big disclaimer that i probably don't even have all of them you know i've got probably most of the ones that we'd find here in Ireland um, or around the world fairly easily, but there's probably a bunch of local styles that I haven't included. And before yeah. I do that, I'm going to give you a couple of just quick little facts yes. <laughs> about, about Belgian yes. beer, because it is kind of fun and interesting. And I'm completely basing this off of a work beer club that I did a while, a while ago. So I'm uh, paraphrasing and stealing from myself.
0: Right. So... <laughs> right-o,
3: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, beer started, uh, or brewing started in Belgium in the third and fourth century. That's the sort of earliest known um, writings of beer that we know of. Uh, Please don't hate me historians if I get it wrong, but that's what I found. Um, But hops were then only introduced in the 14th century. So as with the rest of the world, um, to bitter your beer, you'd use a gruet, which was a mixture of herbs and um, plants and different things that had bittering profiles. And hops were introduced in the 14th century then and then in the 19th century trappist beers started to emerge and become more prominent and trappist beers as opposed to abbey beers are beers that are brewed in um in abbeys but by monks so this is you know got a real religious connotation to it but trappist beers are different from abbey beers because the sole um focus of that abbey that makes a trappist beer is to make money to provide for the monastery and the community around it as opposed to profit. So an abbey beer can be made in an abbey, it can be brewed by monks, but if it's done for profit, it's not a trappist beer. And there are a good few trappist beers that are not just Belgian. So it's not um, a Belgian only um, invention. And there are 10 certified trappist breweries in the world it's changed over time the, yeah the, and i think we US, did we just lose one a week yes, or two in the ago? US. Yeah. yeah well ooh, maybe maybe another one but a few months ago in the u.s we lost one um but there are some in, there's there's the most of them are belgium we've got two in the netherlands and then austria italy uk and yeah usa Yeah, it's England. Yeah. USA unfortunately closed down a while back. But Trappist beers are one of those things that people associate with Belgium, even though it's not just Belgium. Um, But thought I'd mention that one. Um, Then, 19th and 20th century saw, as as across the world, mass industrialization, which reduced the number of breweries from get this, 3,223 breweries in the tiny country of Belgium to um, only 106 in 1993. Wow. that's really, it's a big drop. Um, It's come back now, largely um, there's been a a good, big sort of upswing, but 400 breweries odd around Belgium today. And I'm not entirely sure whether that includes all the different micro and craft breweries, but these are the ones that are listed at the, at the very least. And then, Getting to this kind of Belgiany essence, you know, there is a Belgian beer is protected by UNESCO as an intangible cultural heritage of humanity, which I just think is very special. Um, because there is something different about Belgian beers, right? You can almost smell it and taste it before you, uh, you know, and then you know Uh it's Belgian. And Yeah. yeah, so let's go through a couple of different styles now. You can The BJCP classifies them probably in a neat and tidy way, but sometimes it can also be a little confusing. So Mm. for instance, in BJCP, there is a difference between Belgian ales, Belgian strong ales, Belgian uh, like Trappist beers, because they're obviously, they've got this protected almost status that you have to be uh, certified as a Trappist brewery to produce Trappist beers. But I'll go through some of the ones that we're talking about here. So- Trappist and Abbey beers are not necessarily styles on their own, but what you'd find often in Trappist and Abbey beers are things like um, a single or a blonde. They're not always the same thing, but you'll find the lowest alcohol form of beer, sometimes a single, sometimes a blonde, sometimes a golden ale. Then you'll find a double, a triple, and a quad. Those are the sort of standard and and they're tearing up. They tear up based on their ABVs and, um, and their flavors. Their flavors are quite different. So for instance, um, a, a double is like a brown beer. It's like an amber beer. And it's got it's got sort of almost typical Belgian yeast spiciness and you know interesting kind of dried fruity flavors quite a light alcohol it finishes quite dry but it's got this red copper sort of brown color then you get let's say a triple and a triple because it's now a higher alcohol i think people get these confused a lot because the double being dark
2: i think people sometimes yeah, i think people it- still think oh it's darker mm-hmm. this will be the stronger one when in fact exactly. that that triple will mess you up if you're that, not yeah.
3: paying attention yes. exactly that that triple will mess you up triples often come in at around 9% um, then again, doubles are normally between six and eight, so yeah, there's not, a range. Not, yeah, there's a range, and they're not uh, they're not playing around either. Yeah. But a triple is a very interesting beer because it's it's really strong, but it's very pale. It's got a lot of sort of spiciness to it, but it's got good bitterness. You know, the triple is the one that you've got a bit more of a hop presence than than the other ones, I would say, and again, a dry finish. All of these beers, by the way, or at least a lot of the ones that I'm talking about so far, are often very highly carbonated. Have you noticed? I mean, they, mm, yeah. almost, they almost want to jump out of the bottle for you, and they're often re-fermented or bottle-conditioned in the bottle, so they're naturally carbonated, which is quite cool. Okay, so double, triple, we're going to move on to the quad. The quad is also called, I mean, certainly in the BJCP, it's called the, let me just get my, my naming right, the Belgian Dark Strong Ale. Um, and quads are, they, they can also be very, very strong. You know, initially when, when I started getting into Belgian beers, I always thought, okay, single, double, triple, quad, it meant like, you know, 4%, 6%. Eight nine percent and then ten plus doesn't always mean that, but but a a, a quad is literally between again eight and twelve percent alcohol. It's not often as dark as the double, which can also be very confusing, but it is a dark strong ale. So it's it's like a triple but darker, but it's complex, very strong, rich maltiness. This one's got more of a malt character than what the others what the others do, but still dark, fruity flavors, spicy notes, um, not as hoppy as a triple, more alcoholic than a double. That's the sort of placement mm. that I think makes sense there. So those are, you'll often find those within the um, the Trappist and the Abbey styles, but then there's a whole bunch of other Belgian beers <laughs> that we haven't spoken about. So the Belgian Blonde <laughs> is, is the probably quintessential Belgian beer that that I think a lot of people know, and that you're talking about um Leffe and you're talking about Le Chouf, and there's there's a bunch of blondes. Blondes may have come about as a as an answer to pilsners. People, some people think. I'm not sure if that's really true because they they don't seem to compete with them. They don't have the same flavor profile, they're not as, you know, light and easy to drink, they're not as dry. No, they often are, like as with the other ones that I've mentioned, they're often kind of fruity, sweet, spicy, peppery, and often dry finish and very highly carbonated. What makes all of these beers, I mean, these ones in particular, we'll get to the sort of sour and farmhousey ones. What makes them really cool um, is that often in the the brew house, the brewers are using candied sugar and other adjuncts Mm. in their mash. And in the fermentation to effectively thin out the body and raise the alcohol without it being a sticky mess. You know, they're often quite light in body, they're very pleasantly light to drink, but they're just, they just hit you like a, you know, like a ton of bricks. Okay, so let's move on to a different sort of category kind of, of Belgian beers. Let's go to some sort of wheat-based ones. Uh, the most well-known is the Wit, which is effectively the Belgian uh, equivalent of, of a Weiss beer, except that the flavors are a bit different. So it's a wheat beer, um, but instead of having a sort of banana clove um, flavor that comes from the yeast, it's got sort of a coriander and orange peel. And yeast is important, but the spices are added too in a lot of senses, in a lot of ways. Then we get saisons. Oh, love a saison. Love season. a
2: saison,
3: yes. Love a saison. And saisons, you know, we've we've had this down on our list for an episode for a long time, and we'll, we'll eventually get to it there, guys. But saisons are less of a style and more of a, a guideline. <laughs> you know. They're a of, vibe. They're yes, they're a vibe. They're saison a vibe. Thereby, but saisons are farmhouse ales. They were often very specific to the local farm, brewer, brewery, direction of the wind. Uh, you know, things things changed quite a lot within saisons. But typically, um, they're brewed seasonally, often so that they're ready for the end of summer. And what we think we know is that they were often brewed for um, farm workers and laborers and people working out in the fields so they couldn't be too heavy although nowadays you get saisons even at eight nine percent yeah and um, so yeah saisons are a vibe not a style but what does make them interesting or different is the yeast and um, common theme we'll get we'll get to more of it uh, but again spicy fruity peppery complex interesting some depth but still being um refreshing and easygoing
2: refreshing Moorish, all of those things yeah
3: uh, all of the things okay so then let's talk a little bit about the soury type beers so there's and there's some interesting relationships between them which is what's kind of fun so a lambic beer is your most kind of basic bitch of belgian sour beers your og of all of the, the og things, yeah. yeah exactly it's a young sour spontaneously fermented mostly and it's often a wheat beer and um, at least part of the the grist will be, you know, predominantly wheat. So your Lampics are your young sours. Your gers is your old sours. I think
2: you just got closer to pronouncing it correctly than I would ever in a million
3: years, so... I've been thinking totally. about it all day because you know my my, <laughs> my natural <laughs> my natural instinct to say is to say gerser but it's not. I know I know oh gosh but anyway different category yeah <laughs> yes totally so GERS is an old um, blended lambic so what happens with a lambic is that the lambic is quite tart and sour then they get barrel aged often uh, or they just get aged in whatever they want um, sometimes they put onto fruit which then makes a creek so creeks are just lambic that have been on fruit there we See. go yes there we are there. christina's right. right there yes and before this episode i had a creek myself <laughs> because Ooh, they're, they're delicious um but a Geuse is a very interesting beer because it takes some young lambic that's been made that's still quite tart and it takes older lambics that have been aged that have calmed down, taken on other flavors, and it's a blended beer. And apparently, these came about um, a century after Dom Perignon dis- d- discovered that blending different sparkling wines or blending different wines created a new kind of sparkling wine, effectively champagne, um, and it could re-ferment in the bottle and it gave it all these interesting flavors. So a Gers is just a, a blended more complex older sour beer but it's still a lambic base. Right. And if we talk about, by the way, an odor gears, odor gears is a mixture of 100 percent old lambic, whereas gears that's not called odor is it can be a newer lambic and an older lambic blender to create something. So there we go. That's some of the lambics. Let me see what's next. Right. Kind of on the back of it, Flemish red and oat brune. So Flemish red is a sour red. So imagine a, a red ale, but sour, because it's also spontaneously fermented um, using literally what's whatever's in the air and whatever the brewers have cultivated and nurtured in their, in their brew houses. And the brune is a brown beer. So, you know, almost think of a brown ale, but it's got that sourness and it's got that complexity. I don't know how often those are blended, but maybe they are. Um, yeah. Now, those are the stars that I've got. Are there any more that I've completely missed out?
2: I I think that's a big one. Now, Christina, any that you've thought of though? Because I do have one in the back of my mind, but we'll we'll get Um, to that.
1: No, I think think you kind of covered all the the basics besides maybe more niche things, but yeah. Hmm. Yeah,
2: and I think the only other thing to point out is just the obvious that there's also a lot of cheap lager made in Belgium that the whole rest of the world consumes so Stella Artois all of yes. that kind of a thing and when you go to Belgium there's also plenty of local cheap lager that everyone yeah. drinks as well yeah. so just you know one of those things where it's just because you go to the place where they make all the lovely things doesn't mean people are enjoying all the lovely things all the time <laughs> sometimes you need your you know whatever your lawnmower beer or whatever and that's fine not not judging just pointing out that this is here too so yeah
3: and then, you, you know, as with a lot of different countries that produce a lot of different beer, you will get IPAs, and you will get stouts, and you will get all of these things, but um, the only, the ones I wanted to mention are the ones that are sort of quintessentially Belgian, as opposed yeah. to, you know, adaptations over time, you know, even, um, even Duval or Duval have done, you know, Belgian style IPAs, where they've used their sort of yeasts, but hopped it like an IPA, and those are really interesting, they're yeah,
1: but they're not super, super traditional. Speaking about quintessentially Belgium, I'm or Belgian beers, I'm going to show this glass um, to the to the audience. And if if you think this looks a little bit like a beaker, maybe something you might find in a science lab. Anybody familiar with this kind of glass? If you're just listening, it's a wooden stand. Um, with a glass that has sort of, you know, the regular kind of a pint glass top, but then it gets very, very narrow into sort of a rounded bottom, like almost looks like a beaker. So, no prizes for guessing, but this is a <laughs> quack glass.
3: <laughs> yes.
1: So, who wants to explain what quack is? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Oh my gosh, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll tell you a story of how I got a quack glass as well. Oh gosh. And, I'm, and I, think it's, I think it's the same. <laughs> it's kind of the same everywhere. But um, there is in Cape Town, there is a Belgian beer bar, which is really unusual and niche for, you know, anywhere. But <laughs> you had to, if you wanted a quack, you had to hand in one of your shoes. Um, because <laughs> th- their story, their stick, and they were sticking to it, was that this this glassware was so expensive that you wouldn't you wouldn't steal it if you knew you were walking out with one shoe. Now, I I've, I've heard that story now told around the world in oh, different yeah, places. I've heard different versions of it. Yeah. <laughs> so did you guys have to give up a shoe to get a quack? No, glass? I
1: my husband bought this for me <laughs> fair enough so now you could just buy them know, like the Bell- belgian carols like <laughs> yeah he bought this in belgium i should say yeah, yeah. like we were we were we were at the source well not the source source but you know yeah
2: and and i, I, I think one. i got one I, i'm sure someone told me the shoe story when i got one i no longer have one but there are so many belgian bars in and around philly um like those are obviously know, like monks tavern and, and places like that and then all all throughout that it's just a thing that every so often there's going to be a promotion like turn up do x and you'll you'll get a quack glass or or whatever else so (laughs) i turned up and did whatever the thing was um i think i turned up and might have been the only woman there and they were just like you should have the glass but again (laughs) this is like This is like 20 years ago, so I'm sure that would not be the same now, Um, especially since the last Philly Beer Week I had there, which again, obviously this is years ago now, but it was like, let's meet all the amazing female brewmasters of Belgium who have come over for this week to show us their wonderful beers and do saison tastings and all of that kind of thing. So there there was an evolution, folks, is what I'm saying, even just in that time, like 20 to 15 years ago between like, oh, to, oh, this is cool and normal. So just, just saying Mm. that. But yeah, the quack glass that was lost some some many moves ago. So there
3: you go. <laughs> I, I think it was probably just a brilliant marketing campaign that actually made yeah. you want the glass more than than anything else. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. I'm trying to think when I've had a quack again
1: just on its own, and I I don't. Know that I could point to that moment. So. No. I mean, genuinely, when we were in Belgium, we ordered it because the glass was just so yeah. unique. I was like, yeah. I need to try this beer because what is this glass I feel like I'm making a science experiment okay oh, yeah. um and the beer's fine, yeah, that's fine. It, it,
3: I mean it's a, it's like an amber sort of a sort of slightly dark amber Belgian ale you know it's yeah. Almost, um, yeah I don't know if it could be considered a double but it's some I almost want to say it's something definitely more malty yeah yeah, yeah. more malty to yeah.
1: malty but yeah I mean it's 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 yeah. Like it was just, but it was fun to drink. Like we talked about this so much about, you know, beer drinking is also so important about like the complete sensory experience. So like mm. having a fun, unique glass and like having that, that would take a beer that was maybe only, and I'm not saying that the beer is only like this, but it would, it, right. when you have that full sensory experience, it makes it just that little bit more special. And it it, it really improves, I think the entire well,
3: here we yeah. all are, we're talking about a beer that none of us are drinking, but, you know, and haven't had it in a while, but we're st- still talking about it. So absolutely,
2: yeah. in the same way that, you know, I was, I was in the, the, the palace bar and at least two different Americans came in and said, oh my God, it's so true. The Guinness tastes different here. And you know, it's okay for them to come in and do that because I'm sure it does taste different from their bar that never cleans their tap lines somewhere. And they're here, they're having a great time. So, you know, it's all good. It's all part of the same thing, even if Although they go it's... home and never have it again. Yeah, so
3: it is. Yeah, I mean, Guinness definitely tastes different here than what it does in South Africa because it's not brewed in Ireland. For South Africa, it's brewed in Nigeria. So, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So there you go. anyway, back to Belgian beers <laughs> and the glassware. Let's let's
2: stick with <laughs> the, the glassware one. for a minute yes. because some people do get very very particular about it. And again, just going back to some of the Philly bars, there are some that do have the correct glassware for all of the different major Belgian breweries although obviously they're not going to have like a special Stella glass like no they don't have that but they have all of the other you know the the other fancy ones they have like your Chimay glass or you know all these other ones so again like you know I'm totally down with it if someone wants to use the right one do we think like I I guess I guess I'm not I'm not 100% certain how recent that tradition is of having the right air quotes glassware for for the beer, um, but I think I'm totally here for it as a marketing exercise. But you know, and and I can see the arguments people make of like, oh no, if it's you know the wider mouth, you can smell, you know, you get more of the aroma, etc. Mm-hmm. So they're like, get it, fine, all all valid points. But beyond that, how important do we think it is? Like, I, I'm a little bit like, yeah. But again, if it's part of that overall sensory experience, well, sure, why not? But yeah, I, I've seen I people it's...
1: get fussy about it, and that's like. I'm not fussy about it, but I think it can be a really important part of like the sensory experience. Like there's, yeah. there's, I'll talk about this more in a little bit, but there's a really tiny pub in Bruges, Degare, that has like their own beer and yeah. they have like this massive beer menu and you can get whatever, but they have these really nice printed glasses with Degare on it and you can get like um, little cheese and things and stuff with it. And there's mm. just something about having that beer in that pub with that glass that just it kind yeah, of that I think the I'm experience that. yeah um and I know that that kind of sounds maybe a little pretentious but like there's just really something to having that whole thing tied together seeing because you really can't get it you know anywhere right. so yeah. having that and being able to see and it's just you know that little bucket list tick that just kind of makes yeah. you, you know, my inner beer nerd just so happy um I remember dragging my mom down there with me. She's like, why are we walking down this alleyway? Like, where are we going? And I'm like, no, it's just right here. It's this pub. And she's like, what? And then she goes inside and it's this wonderful pub. I, I you know, it's just fantastic. Um, but yeah, no. And there's, there's, yeah. So it's just the wandering down the alley to, you know, finding this amazing beer bar. I'm not finding it. I guess everyone has found it if you know where to look. But, um, but yeah, it's it's not necessarily like out in the open where you would expect to find it. You you know you have to kind of look for it, I suppose.
3: Mm. I feel like yeah. um, the taste of the beer comes far more down to the freshness, the cleanliness of the lines, the cleanliness of your glass. Mm-hmm. You know, good good brewing practice as opposed to something like the glass shape. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, however. You know, I, I don't know if I'd be super particular about um, going, you know, almost brand by brand, because I think brands right. probably get a little bit fussy about their own, you know, this glass for this particular beer that they make. But I do think that there is... Something that I now associate with, okay, if I am going to drink something like a Belgian blonde, I kind of like this little goblety style, sure, sure. what is this this y style glass. It just makes yeah. it seem it makes it seem like the right thing to do. Although I don't know if it actually adds anything, I just i like the i like the vibes, um, yeah. you know. And there is certain glasses like I just don't think I am going to drink a lager out of a a, a teku tiku glass, kind of you know almost a wine yeah. glass or thing. That yeah. just doesn't feel right to me. But I would drink a sour out of it or oh that's interesting yeah. yeah i don't know so for, i like the fact that all of these a lot of the belgian and um, breweries and brands have got their own very special glassware but i
1: just don't have space for all of those guys can we just you know?
2: <laughs> yeah if you're no, a bar but, dedicated to it yes fair fair play to you yes. yeah but
1: right. you're right like i wouldn't want to drink a belgian beer out of like a german moth mm. you know like mm. yeah so i well, think it's interesting it, it does matter to some degree like I you know something about having like the really thick glassware mm. I just don't think would would suit my experience of having a, any of the Belgian beers yeah maybe. no that's
2: that's a fair point yeah no I that I can be convinced on that yeah that's that's mm. fair there's something about what what seemed at least like the smaller or maybe smaller than even the right word, but the sort of bowl of the glass that you can sort of hold and warm with your hands and all those things yeah Yeah. feel free to disagree
1: with us in the comments
2: yes (laughs) and if you are like a hardcore like must have all my right glassware stand like that is cool too we want we want to hear from you as long as like you're not that guy who goes in and berates the bar staff because I've seen people do that and no don't no. why would you do that no and uh, I'm sure none of you listeners do that but you all know there's that guy just and it's a guy (laughs) but just don't don't be that guy But Yeah, no, I think that's fair enough. But then I'm going to pick up then something on on you said, Tanya, like, again, you sort of mentioned kind of the different flavors, maybe of a different glass. So maybe if we circle back to some of these Mm -hmm. different flavor profiles we get. And I know, Christina, you love like the the, the hardcore sour ones. And I'm going to go on the record and, and say like, I am a giant Philistine because I do not like lambics. I don't like Creeks. I I don't even like an Oud Bruin, even though it's brown. Like I'm <laughs> I'm just so basic. I love my doubles, I love my Saisons, um, you know, all of those things and and um, you know, kind of your Belgian pale ales, you know, triples, quads as well. But I don't like the soury ones. They're they're not my thing. But I know Christina, you love them. So I would love to hear more about your experiences having them in Belgium and just why you love them.
1: Yeah, so I well sour has always been like my favorite flavor profile since I was a kid. Like I was there's a candy in the US called Warheads and it like would burn your taste buds off. And I was always the kid that tried to shut the whole bag in my mouth at the same time. <laughs> so like the more sour, the better, the less taste buds I have at the end. Perfect. Um so that has evolved as I've become an adult, right. although I still eat sour patch kids and so warheads <laughs> hands on them. Um, to my beer preferences, um, don't get me wrong. I love the doubles, the triples, and yeah. and I, I have yet to meet a Belgian beer I don't like. <laughs> um, but I gravitate towards the sours. I yeah. love, you know, Flemish Reds. I love a Bruins. I like uh, gears and I like Lambics. I like all them all um, because they're sour. But I also really enjoy that they're really complex. So there's mm, there's yeah. you know kettle sours and things which I also like. Um, but I really, really appreciate the complexity of the sours from Belgium. I like that there's all these different notes in it. I like that there's layers of things. I like that I'm getting this on the nose. I like that horse blanket thing that, you know, a lot of people really don't like (laughs) farmhouse. I'm here for it. I love it. I like all of that. And then, um, I like the, you know, when they're aged on fruits, I like, the creeks um i love cherries so that's a big thing for me but i love just all of the layers um and the history i like how it's you know spontaneously fermented in a lot of places and you know they have these um just massive open cool ships cool
2: yeah
1: we did we did a cool cool ship thing a few episodes back Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah cool ships so I'm just really really interested in the whole thing so my my knowledge of Belgian beer history goes back to about medieval and it's not so great so I don't know (laughs) whoever knows all the archaeological evidence for like the very first brewers in Belgium I I, that's beyond me but I'm really interested in like sort of medieval brewing aspects and and that kind of stuff which is why I'm absolutely obsessed with Bruges (laughs) Um, it's beautiful and all the things yes (laughs) which is sort of like my happy place because it has all this like wonderful medieval history and then and this is you know controversial opinion i will stand by this my favorite beer country which is belgium um favorite country for beer sorry ireland but honestly if i had to pick a country it would be belgium um just they have a, just yeah it's just it's yeah. mine it's my it's no it might not be yours no shame
2: mine no shame no yeah um, i mean we, we honeymooned in belgium for that reason just because everything delightful and delicious was was there and and you again you didn't have as many varieties back then because this was a long time ago uh but we had a great time because we had the frites and waffles and chocolate and beer and like that's all you need so
1: like we're just like that's what we, my husband and i went and we got chips um, oh, with Mayan. man Yes, that's yeah. We would go to these amazing pubs that would have. Oh gosh, we went to one that had like a tasting tray 12 Belgian beers, you know, and they're all half pints oh and it's all yeah. like, you know, eight nine percent.
2: <laughs> yeah, <Phew. laughs> wow,
1: you probably had well, a good we went, evening. Yeah, oh, well, we had we that was during the day. I mean, we went. Right. And we, this is not indicative of my daily life, people. But when right. I was in Belgium, I was in Belgium. You're on holidays, so, yes, yes. So you know, we woke up, we went to the pub, and we drank those, and then we went and we got our we got our frites with our mayo, and then we went to De Haliman, and yes. you know, and then we just kind of kept going to different places in there, and ended up in a medieval basement cellar until <laughs> all hours. But yeah, it was. I don't know, Bruges is a magical, match, like Disneyland for beer people, to be honest with you.
2: Yeah, we went to Ghent and Bruges for our honeymoon. Again, this is a long time ago now, but it was great, because it's exactly that. You could just stumble down alleyways and find things, and again, especially, and this is like, a, obviously, a pre-social media age, and even then, it was like, hard to find things. You had to like, look them up in advance, and you know, and have maps, physical maps, all of the things, but, uh, or at least like, print <laughs> out your MapQuest map, and Walk around. Um, but just like that exactly, and to have a man, I love that tour and just like, you know, the the historic fabric of the building and just all the all the things. And and again, I'm sure like anyone in Belgium is listening is like, oh my God, this is so basic. This is what tourists do. And that's okay. That's okay. We're tourists. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And I know there's amazing like craft beer happening there too, where there's all kinds of other stuff. And that is that is also fantastic. That wasn't happening back then, but again old so long time ago and these things evolved so i think that is is so cool and we definitely like that would be an interesting kind of like not even like part two but like like part four or five of like us talking about belgian things would be and this this stuff's all happening but i think you know it, it does come from this tradition even if you're trying to do very different you know air quoting again modern things like you still have this amazing understanding i think that people have um that you don't necessarily have in a lot of other places so they understand that you're deviating from like a historical template if that makes sense
1: definitely like I've done Brussels Bruges and Antwerp and I really like Bruges because I'm a historian and there's like so much history there now there's history in Antwerp and there's history in in Brussels but it's a bit different Uh, but it's for me it was the same thing when I went to Antwerp the the cathedral in the city center and like all around it there are some really nice craft beer pubs really tiny just kind of fall in they have massive beer lists um my mom was doing I had done a tour of the cathedral in the morning my mom was doing a tour in the afternoon and I just parked myself Mm -hmm. in this tiny pub right next to the cathedral I was the only person in there besides like the staff and we were just you know chatting shit about Belgian beer um And that's the kind of stuff that I, like, I really like to do. Um, and then Brussels was great. And we had some, I think it was Brussels Beer Project. I think that mm. was, I might have. So that was like, they were making IPAs and they were making, yeah. you know, lots of like modern beer styles. And that's great. That's wonderful. You know, you know, make what what you really love. Um, and we had gone to do just some different things, but I'm, my favorite Belgian beer styles are more of the traditional styles. Yeah.
3: But. I've never been to Belgium, sadly. I will go eventually. We clearly but- need
2: to do like an organized, you know, expedition. Well, obviously you're not going to have to twist my arm too
3: much. <laughs> no, though. well, exactly. And it's it's one of those, always wanted to, um, yeah. but I don't even know where to start. And as you say, Christina, right. I think it would be like Disneyland for beer people because it would just be amazing. But to be honest, I would go there and probably not want to taste any of the more modern, craft styles unless they were really really interesting because I want to go and get all the traditional stuff yeah and I feel similarly about Germany you know I'd want to go Mm. to Germany for like really exceptional lagers and especially the very distinct regional (laughs) variants of all the old beers and 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 all the different things that go on in different parts of the country sure yes so I wouldn't go to Germany let's say and try and look for the latest craze in cold IPAs I'd just, I'd be looking for a good locker.
2: Exactly. Or, le, or like me in London, you know, last week for work, I, I, I made my quick stop in at the Colonel because I love them. They're making amazing beer and mm, they had something with a shiny good. new hop. So obviously I stopped in to have the one beer with the shiny new hop. And then I went and had many pints of cask mild because mm. that is what I do when it's accessible to me is drink all the cask mild and people can be like that's weird and for old people and i can be like i'm a weird old person and i i'm fine (laughs) with owning that but yeah when you go somewhere that's not your usual turf you want to have whatever's the you know traditional thing um doesn't mean you can't enjoy the the other cool new stuff but you know Mm. you want to get the thing you can't get normally and we can all get some variation of kind of
1: again air quotes craft beer uh somewhere so Mm. But I will say before we move on, if you're in Bruges, firstly, if you want any recommendations, hit me up. I'm happy to send you all of the things. But in the sort of square where the tower is, there's a museum, and on the second floor, second second floor of the museum is a pub, and you can get a beer at that pub and sit out on the balcony and watch the entire square. Oh, and well, it's usually amazing. never crowded. Um, that's like my secret favorite, I'm not sure, it's not secret, other people do it all the time, (laughs) but it was something that I stumbled into, and just became obsessed with, with being able to have a beer, like sort of up, and being able to watch the whole thing, obviously people much smarter than me had figured that out um, (laughs) beforehand, but we came across it by accident, but I do highly recommend if you're in Bruges, to go to the museum, and and get a a beer up there, and sit on the, the thing and yeah and that's, that's a
2: good shout in general is a lot of the museums uh in in belgium in general other places as well but but uh, belgium in general like there'll be like a little open air part or something like that but there's often like a historic pub where they have a beer that's brewed just for them or you know that is from just down the road and so you know definitely like don't sleep on mu- your museum beers like there are some really good ones in in belgium museums so keep an eye out because you know mm. even if it's just kind of um What's like, like might be a tea room somewhere else. No, no, there's like, there's some good stuff here. So yeah, Protip. don't, uh, yeah, don't sleep on them.
3: That's very cool. So if we had to describe to somebody that's never had a Belgian beer in their lives, what a Belgian beer tastes like, and I know you can't generalize, but right. you know, what is it that gives you that sense of Belgianness?
2: It's such a good question. I think I always come back to just things that come from the yeast because there's always that Belgian yeast character, even though, again, we know we're broadly overgeneralizing, but it's, you know, I think in so many other places when you see someone make, oh, this is our Belgian pale ale, it's because they sought out a specific yeast and they, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they did this and they did that. So I think you do get, again, kind of that effervescence often, you know, more carbonation than you might get in, you know, in something usually. You get often a little bit of that sweetness, but also that that dryness, that pepperiness. And again, broadly over generalizing, but you know, I think about you know why I love a good saison is because you've got that that sort of almost like that snap to it, um, and it's mm. that sort of lovely lovely character to it. But it's you know that you, once as soon as you smell it, you kind of know it's there. If that makes sense, it's it's like you know it's, it's art. You you know it when you see it or smell it or taste it in this case. So.
1: I think, yeah, I think, I think that focus on fermentation because that goes across the board to the sours as well, because it's, you know, the, those, that bacteria that comes in. So it's really that fermentation profile, which creates a lot of these flavors in both of them. And again, I'm overgeneralizing because I know someone's going, eh, I know generalizing yes (laughs) obviously there are you know differences and and nuances but i think i think within like what lisa said within the fermentation profile is where you see a lot of these strong flavors sort of come out and with that also i would say complexity yeah so i would say belgian beers when i think belgian beers i think layers
2: Mm. oh i like that layers that's a good word layers
3: definitely Yeah. yeah so having You know, having tried to quite like sort of define it, I think yeast sort of sums it all up as well, you know, as you both said, because, you know, if we talk about, um, if we talk about the sort of more soury ones, um, your lambics and your gurzes, damn it because i don't know how to say the plural now damn it (laughs) (laughs) anyway if we think about those ones you know they're obviously spontaneously fermented whereas saisons would have maybe been spontaneously fermented but then harvested you know a lot like um uh, kvike yeast you know there might have been one of those nifty yeast stick things you know you never know how these things might have been brewed so a lot of it comes down to this weird like house yeast that, Absolutely. that kind of goes around I think the other thing and it speaks to the complexity Christina is the blending you don't see a lot yeah. of blending outside of Belgian beers
2: that's right if I, yeah. if I
3: just sort of think about it not much and um, not so much no the odd yeah. barrel age oh.
2: thing where we do this one and then that one and stick them together but mm. um and I think you know there are certain obviously some edge cases where people are very into that but it's mm. it is a very Belgian kind of a thing
3: yeah. And I know a lot of people will even take something like a Duval and they'll try and harvest like the yeast in here, you know, yeah. to go and make um, something because there is there is something that homebrewers often talk about. It's the sort of intangibles. You know, you can buy a yeah. packet of Belgian yeast in uh, air quotes, but it doesn't quite come out the same. There's something about it. It's, it's like a sourdough starter. You know, you make mm. one fresh. It's OK. But once you've sort of used it and used it and used it, it adds all these layers and i don't know these years of things to it which gives your beer just something different so i think yeah blending and yeast are the biggest things in these beers um so if you're a home brewer looking to uh, get into belton beers first try a whole bunch of them and then save the yeast <laughs> Learn yeah, harvest.
2: yeah exactly that's and that's why so many things are bottle conditioned for your mm. you know yeah, so, sort of for <laughs> your pleasure so there you go <laughs> bottle condition for your pleasure so we're coining phrases here tonight folks and I'm not even the one drinking so just just (laughs) saying I'm just this weird it's
3: normal (laughs) they often do though a lot of these beers uh, um often also ferment quite warm um, and that gives it also based on the yeast based on the the malts apparently there's there's almost a different malting process and procedure with Belgian beers I'm not really sure about that so don't quote me but they're fermented quite warm and then often a lot of them are lagered. So it gives you all of the interesting yeasty flavors in the in the um, profile, but not always very cloudy or not always very suspended. It just means that they're aged and conditioned for a long time too. I think they borrowed that from the Germans anyway, but right. divine. they're just yeah. very, very sophisticated beers.
2: Here, here, very sophisticated beers and you know, surrounded by, you know, sort of, uh, wine drinkers on kind of the other side over in France. And so I'm sure there's, you know, certainly, uh, cross currents there that, that maybe people like to ignore, but must be there. So, you know, mm. as, as we were talking about before. So I think, yeah, there's that sort of sophistication. And, and I think, again, the other thing is, I think there's a good, you know, when you go to Belgium and again, obviously, Ted, you need to go to Belgium, but I think you people have such a good, I would say, understanding of it. I think there's just education about kind of how this is made. And not in depth necessarily, but I think people have a broad understanding of, oh, this happened to get this, this happened to get this. So they kind of know what to order. Whereas I feel like that's, again, unless you're a big beer nerd, those things are all kind of a mystery. And everyone's Mm -hmm. just like, beer is made from hops. And you're like, okay, (laughs) (laughs) clearly, you know, there's things have gotten lost in translation here. So obviously that's not everyone, we're overgeneralizing, but I think there is just a sort of broad understanding of what these different categories are, a little bit about kind of how they got here historically. And and if you like X, you might like Y. So I think it's just easier for people to mm. recommend things or, um, to, again, food pairing, we didn't get into that really at all. I think that's a whole, 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 a whole discussion, thing. but Belgian yep. beer, <laughs> so good, so good for that. Like, we're, and we're not even talking like, just like your muscles and frites and cheeses, but just like, all of the things. So, yeah, yeah. So I think what we're coming up with is that we we clearly need to do again. This was our introductory episode. We want to get in, and you know, we're going to do that saison episode at some point. But I think there's mm-hmm. so many other bits and pieces of of Belgian beer we could focus on. Like maybe people do want a whole deep dive of a certain Trappist brewery. Or, you know, something like that. Let us know. We would we would love to know what what you want to hear about. Or uh, again, if there's someone from like you know, current Belgian brewery doing something super cool, we would love to know about that too and talk about it a little bit more, but these will all have to wait because we only have, you know, so much time on an episode and, and Tandy needs to get to Belgium. So just saying. <laughs> <just>
3: <laughs> in the we meantime, all... I'm doing my damn best drinking yes. that I can find. So,
2: <laughs> yeah. So I think before we we wrap up and before we kind of go to any final thoughts, I thought maybe we'd each just kind of go around and say like kind of a couple of our favorite. Belgian beers like a specific one or it could even be a Belgian style beer uh, so maybe not necessarily made in Belgium but inspired mm. by so I don't know do you want to start Christina do you have one kind of on the front of mine? I, I know you've got one there
1: yeah please yeah go for it I have a couple so I like um I like and recommend Creeks um Boone Creek uh is very good um, I know it is famous in beer circles, but it's famous for a reason. So West Blatter and 12. Um, I, if you can get your hands on it, I would recommend trying that. Um, and yeah, if you can go to Bruges and make it to Tagare, I would drink the Tagare house beer.
2: Very good. Very good. How about you, Tandy? And of course, like I was mm. saying, doesn't have to be Belgian specifically, just
1: yes.
3: inspired by.
1: Inspired by.
3: Well, I think the first one is Saison Dupont. Um, mm. It's it's the sort of it's it's the BJCP example of what a saison should be. Even though, as we yeah. said, really saison can be a lot of things. But it's it's a great beer, um, and one that whenever I try and brew saison, I'm, I'm sort of trying to edge closer to something like that. But uh, we'll get there. Um, and the other, not a Belgian brewery, but a Trappist brewery, is um, La Trappe Blonde. Oh. I just love the blonde specifically. Actually, I like the whole range. I really do, but the blonde has got a special place in my heart. Um, oh, no, I love all of them. Actually, I just like Latrap, La but they're they're in the Netherlands. But it's Trappist and it's yeah, it's that feel. Uh, oh, they're divine, absolutely divine.
2: Very good. Yes, I, I've got a Latrap also just in my. I keep. I, I should just co- start calling it cellar and not corner of my kitchen because that sounds, <laughs> that, sounds that sounds fancy. That sounds fancy yeah so i mean for me just a couple like in addition to like the troubadours um and just i love everything they make um uh like magma's the other one i i really like from them again kind of the strong ones but i i just love so many like doubles again just like the west Mall double which is just the classic example of the style so mm. so so good shout out to one american one to to victory golden monkey which is a triple and it is a gorgeous beer. It's also a beer that I have had too many of in a parking lot waiting to go watch soccer, <laughs> um, which sounds terrible, but actually it's, is a delightful thing, but it is, you know, again, it's a triple you want to mind how you go with it, but it is a really, really delicious beer and I think great example of the style and again just shout out to the Philly area for anyone uh, in the States listening. So much good Belgian beer there, um, and you're getting it fresh, like it's it's coming straight in. Good cold chains, all the things. A lot of things brewed, especially for the market there. So just shout out to anyone who's into that, who wants to go, make a special trip. You can also go to Teresa's next door in Wayne, Pennsylvania. Wonderful, wonderful beer bar. Uh, or again to monks, kind of the, the the classic in the city. But um, but then to go back to to sort of Belgium proper I, again. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to saison DuPont, because it's one of my favorites too. I just think it's mm. And it's one of those things you forget how good it is until you have that one again. Yes. And then you're like, oh, why am I not doing this all the time? It's just so
1: perfect. Uh, just such a good beer. So yes. yes. pure class. Back on that, um, definitely try Bach if you can get your hands on one of them. And um, just because if we're talking about like local, um, I can't, uh, we can't do the episode as Irish uh, living people. Um, without mentioning Meskin, who is our is. Meskin brewery who makes um, Belgian beers here in Ireland and they do an excellent job. They're gorgeous, um, yes. So beautiful they do. Beautiful beers, amazing brewery, big fan. Um, so if you want something Irish, but Belgium, um, I would recommend checking out Meskin. Here, so here. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. And then really basically any, guys. any Belgian beer you can get your hands on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it doesn't have to be
2: a Stella. Although, again, we've talked about Stella before because it started as a Christmas beer. It, it was a, a thing once and then it, it, it it you know, it's it's gone on a journey. So we'll, <laughs> we'll leave it at that for, for Stella. But I think we want people to know so many amazing Belgian beers and, and that have influences all over the place. And so um, I think, you know, again, we want to hear from you listeners. Are there any others that you really love? You want to see a shout out? Or again, if you are that person who is obsessed with glassware, like, Come at us. We we are here for it. You know, we want to know all about it. But I think uh, unless anyone has any final thoughts. Oh,
1: Christina has a final thought. I do. So we've talked about travel a little bit and I'm going to yes. be in Pennsylvania in a couple of weeks for a couple of weeks. So if anyone listens anyone in our listeners are from pennsylvania live in pennsylvania have been to pennsylvania and you have any recommendations for breweries sort of central pennsylvania lancaster state college area or anything to do um let me know because i'm really curious what you think thanks yes oh no great great chat,
2: tandy any any final thoughts from you
3: no enjoy enjoy pennsylvania enjoy all the Belgian beers to everybody tell us
2: Uh, your faves. There we go. Yes, tell us your faves. Um, Mm. And for those who are going to maybe get inspiration for Christina's trip, go back and listen to our interview with Lou Bryson, where we talked about whiskey for beer nerds. He's already given her some tips, but all the tips are more than welcome. Uh, So again, I would say you can find us, uh, you know, at Beer Ladies Pod on all of the places, hit up the link tree, all the things. We love it when you guys leave reviews or tell a friend, share, subscribe, all the things It really does help. But With that said, we will say, until next time, bye!
1: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.